BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This is a story that my mom told me. She heard this from a friend who claims that this happened to her. Being a 911 operator is not exactly the easiest job out there. The hours are long, the pay is mediocre, and you get to experience a lot of grim stuff. People calling in with their relatives dying in front of them. Car crashes and domestic abuse is a regular thing. In spite of all of this, I enjoyed working as one. I got to talk to a lot of people, and we formed a tight bond at my workplace. So I stayed on for about 20 years, from my early 20s to my early 40s, before switching careers. I've received countless calls over the years, but there is this one that sticks with me to this day that still gives me chills just talking about it. So here's my story. I had just started my shift that would go from 6pm to 6am. The office was pretty deserted at that point, with only a couple of other operators. I logged in and started doing my thing, and the first hour was pretty standard, nothing major happening. But then at around 7pm, a call comes in. I answer the phone. 911, what's their emergency? No answer. Wait a couple of seconds before I speak up. Hello, you've reached 911. How may I assist you? Yes, hi. A voice appeared on the other line. It was a man, but he spoke very softly, almost whispering. Could you, could you send someone out here, please? Sir, could you please speak a bit louder? Yes, of course. Sorry. I need some assistance out here. I got his address. He had raised his voice, but it was still pretty quiet. He was calm, but I could tell that his voice was trembling. I realized that he was probably whispering as he did not want to be heard by someone or something. What do you need assistance with? I need to know so that I can send the proper help. Well, there's a man in my living room. A man? What is he doing? Nothing. He's just standing there completely still. Has he said anything? No, not a word. I didn't even see him through the window when I came home. What does he look like? He's tall, slim build, almost too slim. Has a gray suit on with black shoes, light skin, 
What does his face look like? I don't know. Um, could you please send some help? I now realized just how scared this man was. He was trying to stay calm, but I could tell that he was trembling with fear. Assistance is on the way. It'll take about 20 minutes. Stay on the phone with me and I'll help you, okay? Okay. Now, when did you first notice him? About 10 minutes ago, maybe. I came home from work, but didn't see anything through the windows. Then when I walked in the living room, he was there. He did not react or anything. So where are you now? I'm in the hallway in the chair. If I leaned forward slightly, I could see into the living room and see him. I could feel a chill creeping up in my spine. This was very odd. If it had been a burglar, he would have done something by now. Alright, I'm going to need you to do something. Could you please walk into the living room and try to take a look at his face? Or can you see if you can get any response? Okay. Wait a minute. He put the phone down. This took place in the late 80s, so cell phones weren't a thing. Every house had a landline. I could hear some movement and then I heard his voice again. I, try, I tried to, but I, I can't see his face. It's hard to explain. Please hurry up. I heard the voice of a door opening. Hang on. My wife just got home. I gotta explain the situation to her. Heard hushed voices talking. I could hear his wife started to cry. Even I was scared now. This whole situation felt strange. After a while, he got back on the phone. Okay, we are both in the hallway now. She has also seen him and she knows the situation. Where are the police? They are on the way, I promise. Can I please talk to your wife? I heard some rustling and then a female voice. She also spoke in a quiet voice while trying to suppress her crying. Hello? Hi, I was wondering, could you please describe the man in your living room? Yes, um, he is very tall and slim. Gray suit, black shoes. He's wearing shoes and getting them on our new carpet. Now, when people are in a state of panic or shock, they will often say stuff that appears to be very mundane and disconnected from the situation. It is a coping mechanism. She continued. I was at the gym, so I got home later than usual. When I parked on the driveway, I noticed that the desk lamp in the living room was alight. I thought it was weird because that's my desk where I draw, and it's only lit when I'm drawing. But I did not see someone in the living room. Okay, and the man in your living room, he has not said anything? No, not a sound or movement. All he has done is getting stains on our new carpet. Please send someone, please. She started crying again. I could see on my monitor that the police were only a couple of minutes away. The husband picked up the phone. Hi, it's me again. Are the police close? Yes, only a couple of minutes now. I'm going to need one of you to go outside and meet the police so that they can assist you. No, we can't. We're too afraid. I can't leave my wife alone. As I said earlier... This call was through a landline, so they could not go outside and stay on the call. I think we'll manage for a couple of minutes before the... Wait, what? Suddenly, he became silent. 
tried to get his attention, but neither he or his wife made any noise. I heard some rustling followed by footsteps. Heavy footsteps, the kind only big boots can make when walking indoors. Then I heard the most chilling roar I've ever heard. It sounded inhuman, very deep and incredibly strong. I jolted in my chair. Every hair in my body was standing straight. Then, complete silence. Hello? Are you there? Hello? The person on the other end hung up the phone. I tried calling back, but no answer. But then, I saw something that still confuses me. My monitor had showed no indication that any patrols had been sent out to that address. I tried for a whole hour calling both that house and the number I got to the patrol car that I dispatched, but nothing. I had to continue working and taking calls, but that incident was on my mind the entire night. When I got off, I immediately drove to a friend of mine who works at the local police station. I asked him about this, but he had no memory of any police cars being dispatched to that address that night. I was completely dumbfounded. Had I been dreaming? Was I hallucinating? I was sure that I was talking with that couple, and I also remember that inhuman roar. I drove home and tried to get some sleep, which I managed to do after a couple of glasses of wine. A few days later, I had a day off. I decided to get to the bottom of this and soothe my mind. The address was written on my notebook and I drove there. By coincidence, I arrived around the same time that the call was made, a few minutes give or take. It was a nice area, full of expensive houses with new cars in the driveways perfectly trimmed lawns. The house on the address did not stand out. It had a light yellow color with a garden filled with different kinds of flowers. Nothing seemed to be out of the ordinary. It was quiet and the air was warm. But then, I noticed something. In the window, there was a light. It was a desk light, shining brightly. As I was staring at this, unsure of my next move, car pulled into the driveway. It was a new BMW that parked. Out of the car came a woman, looking the part of an expensive car owner. I could smell the perfume from the curb I was standing on. The weird thing was that she did not seem to notice me at all. I was, after all, standing right in front of their house, looking straight at it. Most people would at least react to a stranger standing in front of their house. She started walking towards the house but stopped after a few steps. I could see the confusion in her eyes and then she spoke. Huh, that's weird. Why is my desk light on? I recognized the voice straight away. It was the wife. A frozen place, unsure of what to do. The hairs on my arm stood up. The woman walked to the front door, opened it, and went inside. I stood in front of the house for maybe 10 minutes, staring intensely at the window with the desk light. 
nothing. At last, I jumped in my car and drove away. I could not shake this feeling of complete fear. I never heard anything about that house or anything similar to it. I later moved away from that town. It have never returned. It just makes me feel weird being there. It's been over 30 years and I still remember it clear as day. The trembling voice of the husband, the wife crying, and that inhuman roar. Thank you for taking the time to hear this story out. It's kind of a long one. Um, I just want to say before I get started that I love your podcast. They really get me through my days at work. (laughs) Okay. So let me start off by saying I love horror and supernatural stories. Spooky stuff is my genre. But I am also a huge skeptic, and not because I don't believe in it. I just know and understand that there are rational explanations for things, and not everything is a supernatural experience. Also, when I experience something, I want to know without a shadow of a doubt that what I'm experiencing is supernatural. So, with that being said, here's my story. Um... I was living in upstate New York at the time. I was hanging out with a couple of friends of mine, Katie, who was an 18-year-old virgin, and Andre. We were chilling at Katie's house, waiting for some other friends of ours to get out of work. All of us were gonna get together and go to a bonfire later on that evening. I don't know if it was adolescence, uh, ignorance, or all of the above, but we decided that it would be brilliant you make a Ouija board and try it out. So before I get into this, let me paint the picture for you. Some houses in New York have a platform as soon as you walk in the door and directly in front of it are short sets of stairs. To the right, the staircase went up. To the left, it went down. Downstairs was just one long hallway that had a couple of bedrooms and a laundry room. The upstairs was pretty open From the platform when you walk in, you can turn to your right and see the living room. Then to the left of that was an open dining room area. The kitchen was right next to it, separated by a wall with an open doorway. Then to the left of the stairway, there was a hallway that had some bedrooms, one of which being Katie's. I'm going to give you small details that become relevant later in the story. Uh, Katie had a water jug in her dining room area like the kind you see at doctor's offices. And she also had a dog. The dog was one of those dogs that barked a good amount when you first met it. But once you pet it and got to know it, it was super chill around you and just kind kind of hangs around the house, doesn't really make a sound. So Andre had known Katie for years. It was a small town. I was new to the area, but Katie and I had been chilling together every day all summer. So the dog was familiar with everyone in the house and no one else was home. So Katie looks online to find out how to make a Ouija board and how to have some good activity. 
she read that having all of the elements helped connect you to the other world. So I watched her tear a regular piece of notebook paper out of a spiral notebook, rip the perforated edge off, and write out in black ink with a regular black pen a Ouija board. We used a penny as a planchette. We had a bowl of water. We grabbed some dirt and rocks from outside. We lit a candle, and we opened a window. Water, earth, fire, wind. We had it all set up. We then taped the Ouija board to the living room coffee table and sat down to start our conversation with the dearly departed. Um, at first, nothing really happened. The planchette didn't move. Then a little while into it, we start talking to a spirit who told us that he was a young boy who died in the house by the hand of his mother. I know I wasn't moving the planchette, Katie was pretty freaked out, so I was fairly certain it wasn't her, and so that just left Andre. I really thought he was just messing with us. Until we asked the question that you should really never ask, we asked for it to give us a sign. As soon as we asked, the water jug bubbled in the dining room. We looked at each other and just kind of shrugged that off as mere coincidence. So we ignorantly asked for another sign. Sure enough, the dog started losing his mind downstairs, running back and forth, growling, barking. We were pretty freaked out at this point, but still not entirely convinced. So we asked one more time. And I think we aggravated it because right as we asked, the edge of the Ouija board lifted and in doing so ripped the paper. Katie and I immediately got up, took our hands off the board and said, F this, we're done. So Andre kept his hand on the penny as it continued to move. I had walked away, my back was to the table, so I can't tell you what was said, but when I spoke to Andre about 10 years later, he claimed that the penny moved on its own and his hands felt as if they went numb. So Katie and I sat back down at the table, put our hands on the penny, and said goodbye. We read that if possible, you're supposed to destroy the board. So I brought it outside, held the paper up over an open lighter and waited for it to ignite. I waited for a good 30 seconds. When nothing lit, I turned the paper over. It was black. I touched my fingers to it and swiped. And the three of us watched as the black wiped right off of the paper. It was still fully intact, not burnt in the slightest. I started at the edges, trying to burn this paper. It eventually caught. The corners burned back slow, like the embers uh, of, an en of an incense. Eventually, I burned all that I could without burning myself, and all that was left was either yes or no. I can't really recall which one. So I just let that little, that little piece go. I wish I could tell you, that's all folks, <laughs> that's the end of the story, but it's not. What happens next is why I mentioned that Katie was a virgin, because that purity is said to make you more susceptible to seeing and experiencing things that other not as pure people may not be as sensitive to. Like I mentioned before, Katie and I had been chilling all summer. She had just got a brand new cherry red Volkswagen Beetle. Her and I have been cruising around all summer in this car and never had one issue with it. So the guys arrive and Andre hops in their car and Katie and I follow them alone in her car. 
Remember, this is upstate New York. The roads are dark, no street lights, they are winding. So we're about a car length away, maybe two from the guys in front of us. I didn't have a license at the time, so Katie was driving. All of a sudden, Katie stops talking and starts to point to the front right of the car at something outside on the side of the road. The look in her eyes is pure terror. She's stuttering as she says to me, Nicole, I keep seeing a little boy on the side of the road. He looks like your, he looks just like your little cousin, Josh. So my little cousin, uh, he was about four to five years old at the time. Um, he's very fair complexed, very pale <laughs> little kid. So as a natural skeptic, I'm thinking that she's just imagining things because she's still freaked out from the Ouija board. So I say things to try to calm her down, mostly because she's behind the wheel of the car and we're going 60 on a dark winding road. She's just repeating herself at this point, pointing in that same direction, saying she keeps seeing this little boy appear on the side of the road. And then I start to freak out when she starts crying. Not like one or two tears, no, like the full-on sob, makeup smearing, not running cries, and my only thought at this point is, well, shit, this bitch is crazy and she's driving the damn car I'm in. So I continue to tell her, trying to calm her down, Katie, it's all right, calm down, we're going to be there soon, your mind's just playing tricks on you from earlier, it's just your imagination. As I finish my sentence, the lights on the dashboard of her car start to go on and off. I stop talking, look at her. She's got a death grip at 10 and 2 on the wheel. There's no way she's touching anything to make the lights go on and off. She glances at me, and I can feel the color in my face drain as the windshield wipers start to go on and off. The dashboard lights continue to flicker. The headlights are fluttering. And then finally, the radio starts to turn on and off. Stations are changing. There was nothing but silence in the car between her and I. The terror was loud enough. We didn't say anything. All of the horror she felt had just been validated, and I could feel the panic in me start to rise as the horror starts to settle in my mind that whatever she was seeing was not at all in her imagination and that we had opened some kind of portal that clearly didn't get closed. Neither of us were saying anything. This all happened in the matter of 30 seconds, but it felt like the silence that comes with holding your breath right before you let out a blood-curdling scream. The guys called her phone. She had them on speaker and they asked us, why are you flashing your lights at us? And that was it. The silence was broken and the screams came out. Her and I both are yelling and panicking into the phone about how we aren't touching a goddamn thing and the car is doing all of this on its own. The guys tell us to pull over and we hopped out of that car so fast. We booked it straight to them and repeated our screams as we told them everything we just witnessed. We stood around and talked for a few minutes, but like we were in the middle of nowhere on a dark road and we all wouldn't fit in the car with the guys. So like really what could we do? We had to get back in the car and for the rest of the drive and the rest of the time that I chilled with Katie, not one electrical issue had ever arisen in her car again. And that's it. Thank you so much for your time and listening to my story.
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. This happened to me a while back when I decided to go on another camping trip alone. I always liked camping alone. There's something serene about being isolated in the middle of the wilderness, and I always found it relaxing. So I planned out what trail I was going to take, and packed my camping gear and my rifle for protection, and jumped in my truck. I get to this trail early in the morning, and hike a couple of miles in until I find the right spot, and head off the trail to find a place to put my tent up. I stumble upon this nice sized clearing and decide that it's a nice beautiful spot to settle down. I'm exhausted at this point but set up the tent at the southernmost edge of the clearing next to the tree line and manage to get a fire going. I roast some weenies and start to hear a sound in the distance underneath all of the forest noise. It sounded like an animal, most likely a deer with a lame leg as it sounded like an animal was making a walking slash dragging noise. I felt bad for the poor guy but it was too far away and it was getting too dark so I couldn't really go find it and put it out of its misery. I think nothing of it after that and go about eating my food. After I eat, I put out the fire and crawl into my tent and insert myself into my sleeping bag. I decide that even at my exhausted and relaxed state, I can't go to sleep. So I pull out a book I brought with me, and I start to read by the light of my lamp. Hours go by, and I hear that sound again. This time, closer. Right at the opposite side of the clearing. Surprised, I put my book down, and listen to this animal walk drag across the clearing towards my tent really loud at this point. And now it sounds like the hooves are all being heavily planted with the dragging noise following seconds after, like the deer is dragging something along. It makes it to about what I assume is the middle of the clearing and stops. And I hear nothing. No breathing. I mean not a sound from this animal. I unzip the tent and look into the clearing. 
Nothing but trees and darkness. What the fuck? Unnerved at this point, I zip the tent back up and sit there, listening for other noises. I hear nothing. Just crickets in the breeze. I decide that there are a lot of strange noises in the woods. I tried not to let it bother me. Besides, I had my rifle. I start to doze off when I hear men's laughter off in the distance to my right. Then women's laughter and sticks snapping far off to my left. I'm up now, wondering if what I'm hearing is really what I am hearing or just a product of being half asleep. I hear more faint laughing from a couple of other different directions, all different. Old men, old women, even children, and confirm that it's real. The noises are closing in, and I grab my rifle, preparing to fire a warning shot off in the air in case they came too close. Something about this laughter, how far in the woods I was, the noise earlier, and the time of night told me that this was not just another family strolling through was on edge enough already, but then I noticed that the nightlife was dead quiet. Not even the wind was making any noise. I decided enough was enough. I unzipped a tent and fired a shot into the night. I sat there and surveyed the tree line, and I saw nothing. I listened intensely to my surroundings, and I heard no laughing and the forest sounds had returned. Relaxing just a bit and figured that scared whatever off, I sat down in my exhausted state and fell asleep. I woke up later in a cold sweat, racked with anxiety, and it was still dark outside. I immediately hear two people whispering not too far from my tent. Alert, I grab my rifle and I listen to what they are saying can't make out much, but I hear something about being lost, so I shout, hey, who's there? The voices fall silent. I shout again, are you guys lost? Who's there? Suddenly, a huge burst of flame like a flamethrower erupted in the middle of the clearing, illuminating several silhouettes of people just standing around. In shock, fire my rifle blowing a hole in the tent and it goes dark without checking my surroundings I get up and sprint out of my tent making a hard left to where the trail was I hiked until sunrise back to my truck with my head over my shoulder the entire way I never heard anyone follow me never saw anyone or anything the whole way I still couldn't shake the feeling that I was being watched. After this experience, my enjoyment of camping alone left me like I left all my gear in the woods that night. Well, 
I have a little bit of a kind of skeptical story. So I have a case of severe insomnia. I've had it since I was young and I've just kind of learned to cope with it. I kind of call the nighttime me time. So normally I'll lay back and just listen to podcasts or I'll sit by my window, drawing, coloring, painting, just doing something that is relaxing. And normally I'll have my window open. I have two windows in my room where it's just very easy to see outside and it's very calming during the summer and especially during rainstorms. Well, out here in California, we haven't gotten much of any sort of rain. And so my window mostly stays open. But lately I've been seeing, probably for the past couple months, I've actually been seeing just shadows outside. And I try to write it off. I try to think of logical explanations where maybe my dog hit the tarp or just, I try to rationalize things just so that it's not constantly thinking, oh, it's a ghost or, oh, it's, a sh it's an entity outside my window. But lately things have been happening where it's not so easily explained anymore. Lately when I'll try to look out the window, there's no wind. So there's nothing that can blow the leaves or the branches that are outside my window, even though my window really has nothing to block it in a sense. And I still try to write it off, but the shadows started looming, just staying there until I look and then it's gone. And now I've started realizing probably for the past week that when I get home from work, I pull up and there's a coyote. Now being in LA, certain areas, there's no coyotes in that area, but where I'm close to, there's actually mountains. So we get a few of them. And this one was actually just sitting by my fence where my window is. And the coyotes around here, they don't stop. You get close to them or you pull up and they take off or they just kind of stay to their own, but they never stop and they especially don't sit down. So for the past probably week, I've noticed that this one coyote will be there whenever I get home. So the other day I actually decided to go up to it just to see if it would run away. And it stood its ground, just staring at me. And something told me to go inside, not to look, not to interact with it. And this happened probably twice. And tonight I actually got home quite late, later than usual. And the coyote wasn't there, but there was a man that was actually walking towards me. And normally I say hi to everybody. And during a pandemic, you kind of just nod your head or wave. This man just 
blankly stared at me. And as I was putting the key into my door, it's as if his eyes never stopped looking at me, even as he crossed the street. And one second, I'm looking at him about maybe 20 feet away from me. I turn to open the door. I look back, not even a second later, and the man is gone. So I don't know what to make of it. I don't want to just assume that it's Skinwalker. I still try to rationalize everything. But, I mean, who knows what it could be. It's just something that I'm going to have to start paying attention to. So, so that's my little story. And I mean, if anybody can explain anything close to a situation like that, because my neighbors have even said that they haven't seen a coyote in the area in almost a month. They figured that since everybody's home, no, the coyotes don't want to come out anymore. And it's not a rational explanation, but I kind of just try to say, you know what, maybe that is the reason they're not around, but maybe there's a different reason that they're no longer in our on our streets. I'm really hoping that somebody can come up with an explanation because I don't think me telling my neighbors that a skinwalker is walking up and down our streets would make them very happy. (laughs) But there's my story. I love the podcast. I love everything about it. Love the stories and love the work that you're doing. I was reading a story that reminded me of an event from over 20 years ago. The second half of 1998, I had taken a job as a security guard at a plant that made locks. Being a kid, I usually worked one of the three shifts, 4 p.m. to 12 a.m., 7.30 p.m. to 3.30 a.m., 12 a.m. to 8 a.m. The 7.30 to 3.30 shift was for extra coverage. So there were always two of us there, from 7.30 to midnight. It was a routine, boring job for the most part. We did our rounds and logged anything out of the ordinary, and watched a tiny monitor displaying the CCTV feed. Things went by in an almost painfully normal manner for six months. I worked, saved, and bought a car and planned to move. By late March of 99, I served my notice and prepared to head cross-country. A new hire was brought in to fill my spot, a soft-spoken man named Calvin. As part of his training, Calvin spent time working at all hours. At night, he was a shadow, working with myself and the other night guard, getting a feel for the plant's nocturnal routines. Most nights he worked with myself and Amira, female guard who was around my age. I was 18 at the time. 
Calvin, who was about a decade older, was quiet and polite, though something seemed to be missing. There's a spark that genuinely nice people seem to have, and Calvin didn't possess it. Whenever he went on rounds with me, he'd ask questions about the job and make small talk. I noticed he was a little odd, laughing at odd times and changing his tone mid-sentence. At the time, I chalked it up to him being awkward. That wouldn't last. One night, near the end of his first week, he went on rounds with Amira. When they returned to the office, I knew something was wrong. Normally talkative, she would barely say a word. I was not sure what had occurred. I waited until Calvin had gone to the restroom to ask. Apparently during their trip, everything had been normal until they reached the brass mill, a portion of the plant that shut down at 6 p.m. There were usually no employees there at that time and no lights. They were making their way to a checkpoint on a landing atop a flight of stairs when the mood shifted. She told me that she turned around only to find that he was right on her. Startled, she backed against the grating at the end of the landing and he leaned in towards her, his face nearly touching hers. He flirted in a low voice, and when she mentioned his wedding band, he said it would be over soon. From then on, I did the rounds, taking Calvin with me each time. The night ended without further incident, and I left a note for our supervisor detailing what had happened. The next night came and went with no Calvin. I did rounds while Amir stayed in the locked office. Same thing the night after. Then, on my second to last shift, I come in to find her freaking out. She found out why Calvin hadn't been at work. He had been arrested for murdering his wife. She had been dismembered and burned. Parts of her body placed in a pond less than a mile away from where we worked. That night and the next, Amir called to jail just to make sure that they were still holding him. Based on the time frame, he had killed his wife months before he started the job. An article of his arrest will be in the description of this episode. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. 
new customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.